Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at hostpapa.com. Click the banner on the right left chronicles.com for premium unlimited web hosting with the highest rated reviews at the lowest prices. Coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, episode 128. I'm Connor Murphy here with Grace Matthews. Hi, Grace. Hi. How you doing? (laughs) I'm doing okay, you know, it's flu season, kind of getting through it, but yeah. I've had better days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, the flu shot, that's always something that everybody struggles with. I've never gotten one before. I, I did get one last Thursday. 80,000 people died. I'm still not saying run out and get a flu shot. Right. But I think it's something to think about when you know that 80,000 people in the United States died last flu season from the flu. Wow. That is and a- considering how many people do get vaccinated, that's a crazy number. It is. That is a shocking number. It is. So um, wow. be safe. If you don't get a shot, kind of like you were talking about, pick up those masks. Yeah, pick up a mask. And, and if you're in a hospital or a doctor's office, put a mask on. It'll make yeah, you feel like a use that. <laughs> it'll make you feel like a bit of a badass too. Yeah, you know? yeah, superhero. Like a bank robber. I was well, thinking more like a bank robber. Now robber. anyway. <laughs> you know, that would be an interesting way for a bank robber to get by with a disguise, wouldn't it? During yeah. flu season. Yeah. Wow. Pull, pull an oxygen wrong. tank with them. Yeah, pull an pull an <laughs> oxygen tank. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. That would really be a great disguise, huh? <laughs> well, go. we are talking about the ship of fools today. Right. There's a uh, few of those ships out there, aren't there? Oh, jeez. <laughs> there are. And um, it's a book by Tucker Carlson. How a selfish ruling class is bringing America to the brink of revolution. Okay. And boy, you know, I, I don't think anybody could argue with that. I don't think so at and, all. And you just take the title. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Tucker Carlson. Um, at times, he's been too conservative for me. But as he's moved into this primetime spot at Fox, he's moved away from that hardcore persona, you know, back when he wore the bow tie. You know, he's now got the, the long ties, and he's kind of expanded his views. Views his, he's yeah, changed. I, 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 you know, he's a little bit more of a libertarian, maybe, but maybe in this book, I see more of an independent. Oh, wow! So if you're expecting him to go after the Democrats and for this to be some soapbox for an ultra conservative kind of guy, it's not. In fact, the very first advice I would give is read this book before you read any of the deep state books that are out there right now. And there's several of them. Wow. But this sort of gets your mind thinking and wrapping itself around the idea okay. of how it works or what the state of mind is among this ruling elitist class. We talk about it a lot of times on this show as being... Um, perhaps 
a city dweller's elite, a coastal elite, a Hollywood elite, you know, this political elite of the left. And then we talk about the deep state, which does include people like the Bushes, Bill Crystal, right, and others. Okay. Right. Yeah. And we sort of view them that way. Okay. Because the elitist class in the Midwest certainly exists, but it's not so separated. These people are so separated from the middle class, blue collar America, but I hate to say blue collar America because really it's more geographical than that. Yeah, I can see the same thing in Canada, actually. But Tucker is an intellectual. And um, Ship of Fools was actually first written about by Plato in book six of Plato's Republic. Oh, okay. He wrote about these kinds of people and the fear he had that this would destroy a republic. Because, in fact, the United States is not a democracy. It is a republic. Right now, you have to wonder if it's a failing republic. Hmm. Anyway, on the ship of fools, what we learn is that the crew is dysfunctional. <laughs> we're out there in the middle of the ocean in Tucker's ship, and as he explains, there's been mutiny. Those at the top, you know, aren't there. You're out in the middle of nowhere, and you realize that the crew has taken charge, and they're a gluttonous bunch. <laughs> Interesting. They, they don't understand reality. Well, so if you kind of set the scene. Yeah. Now, I'd say, now, the cover is very telling. I'd say he hit the nail on the head there. Oh, he did? Yeah. Bang on. Um, it's a, the ship is a character, and uh, it's a ship about to head over a waterfall. <laughs> now, who is on board? Okay, in the picture. I, th I think that's important. You first have Bill Crystal, Republican, and Nancy Pelosi. Okay? Yeah. And this is not limited. The picture is not all he talks about. Okay? So, you know, you can't judge a book by the cover. is very true here. Uh, the second row is Maxine Waters and Mitch McConnell. Okay. The third row is... Lindsey Graham and Hillary Clinton. And in the last row, a lot of people say they don't know who it is. I think it's Obama. It looks like Obama. They just He just has him a little whiter than, <laughs> much whiter than um, Maxine Waters. Now, what does that say about Tucker, the artist, uh, <laughs> publisher of the book? I don't know, but I'm pretty, I'm going to say that's probably Obama. Right. Sounds like it was totally done on purpose, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. With Tucker, I can't imagine there's anything that's not really on purpose. Yeah. yeah. He's, okay. Like I said, he's such he, an intellectual. Yeah, he's an intellectual. So, yeah, it's kind of expected that you would find a hidden Easter egg in there. And there's some sort of tie. I don't know. I'm not a Grateful Dead fan, but supposedly the cover is... Grateful Deadish. Okay. Um, so someone else probably knows more about that than I do. And uh, um, let us know in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
please let us know. Yeah, we're starting to get more comments, and I like that. Good. Um, so Tucker says, after 2016, he was sitting around asking himself, how is it that we elected Donald Trump? Now, you got to think about that. The media called him a white supremacist, homophobic, Islamophobic, etc., etc. You know, he's, uh, you know, a misogynistic, sexist, you know. How many words have they had for him? And during the 2016 election, they were certainly saying all that. Then they, they haven't stopped saying all of that. Okay. Yet, despite all of this, the American public, I mean, at least the electoral, voted for him. This was the Midwest primarily, blue-collar America, but he did carry more Hispanic and black voters than recent past Republicans have. Well, Don't like to talk about that part. Yeah, I still think it's just because Hillary was the other choice. <laughs> That's what Tucker says, but he said you have to go deeper than that. Because there were 16 Republicans in the right. Well, 16 besides him. So you got to say that it was the Bushes, um, or, you know, Jeb Bush. Right. Uh, Lindsey Graham. Uh, you know, that we could go through the, all, all of them, but that would be ridiculous. But they were all politicians. So did we vote for him? Not because he was necessarily a better choice, but he just wasn't responsible for all that was wrong. All the rest of them were responsible. They were politicians. <laughs> Interesting. I sort of agree with that. So was it, and Tucker says this, was it really the middle class giving the middle finger to the ruling class? Yeah, I guess so. You know, in one way, I can definitely see that. Saying, you know what, we're sick of you. Yeah. Now, according to Plato and Biden's line, and I, and really, basically, according to Tucker, you you can't have a republic without the middle class being the largest of the three classes. For example, in 1970, the middle class was 60 percent of the population. That's pretty much as it should be. Okay, so with 60 percent, my father always told me this too. If 60% is in the middle, you should have 20 on top and 20 on bottom. Now, we're not going to say, okay, well, we'd like to have none on bottom. Okay, that's great, you know. But that pretty much defines a republic. It makes it work, you know, a republic and capitalism. Right. Now, since about 1980, the middle class has been in decline. But it was it was just barely in decline until 2008 hit and the housing crisis. So what you had during the housing crisis was about 25% of the wealth from the middle class went to the upper class. Right. The elitist, okay? I don't know what would have to take place, Tucker certainly doesn't say, for the middle class to be able to get that 25% back. Um, it's not happening anytime soon. You know, you still have weirdness in the housing market. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really as as great as our economy is is doing. Except today, the stock market's tanking because of Italy, but um, that's another story. You you really don't have the middle class having that land grab. 
Now, their 401ks are growing, their savings accounts are growing, they're doing better, but the middle class is not growing and they're not getting that real estate back. Right, they're going backwards. They are going backwards, you're exactly right. And at the same time, you have that lower class segment, um, lower income, I should say, um, growing. And probably the upper class is growing. I don't know, I don't really think it's growing as much as it's just getting richer. Right. Okay, so that sort of explains the the class system, and 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 Tucker takes a lot of time. He calls out people individually, those that are in the ship and others. But the ruling class, he says, is on defense now, hmm. and basically that's true. I mean, they they picked up identity politics, right? But basically, it's all a bunch of hypocrisy, according to Tucker. He said that it doesn't matter to this ruling class whether they do anything. It's just if they care. All that matters is caring. So, for example, Al Gore can run around screaming climate change and getting his big fat jacks and his big fat house that lives over the, is over the cliff in California, you know, taking up all kinds of energy. Yeah. He can do that because he cares. He says he cares about the climate, and he writes about it, and he talks about it, and he tells the peons that they should be careful <laughs> about the climate. Yeah. And to his class and his peers, I, I think would probably be a better word, that's a win-win for him because he cares. It doesn't matter that he doesn't have a solution. He hasn't really defined the problem. Right. What matters is that he cares. Okay. Now, when you really start thinking about that, it starts getting your blood boiling about a lot of issues. And, of course, Tucker brings those out. Okay. But first of all, this identity politics. You're not going to do squat with it. You're not going to make any changes. But you're going to tell these people, these men that think they should be women and such, that you care about them. You're not doing anything for them. (laughs) I mean, how could you? I mean, for the most part, they're what? A half a percent of the population? Yeah. I mean, when you take out the the young kids that go through stages, you know, which 90% of them that think they're the wrong sex when they're in their tween years, 90%, it it was a phase, you know, so you you definitely shouldn't treat them till later. Right. Because you, you can't really identify the true, you know, I, I don't want to call it an illness, the true problem, okay? Because we know it exists. We know people are born the wrong sex. But it is minute, teeny-weeny. Right. Yeah, you know, so if a politician gets up there and talks about this teeny-weeny percent, it pays off lately. Apparently it pays off because they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've just become too sensitive on every issue. And those Absolutely. are those are all minute little issues, you know, but we're all talking about it and we're all doing crazy shit because right. yeah, we're we're worried what people are going to think. Are they going to think I'm a racist because I posted this? Absolutely. Or, and um, you know, it, it it's talking points because it's nothing you're going to really do anything about. So it, it's anger politics, in my opinion. It's something to be angry about. You know, you're angry because there is this transsexual 
that doesn't have a bathroom to go to. Right. You know? no, and so one. you're angry. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, of issues to be angry about. And, but then you don't have to do anything. Yeah. You can just be angry when you get with a mic in front of you. Yeah, or you can rant on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How am I forgetting that? Climate change is another one. You know, you can rant and rave all day. Yeah, yeah. And not do a damn thing about it. Well, I can talk about carbon tax there, too, because we've got it here. Like, we don't That's have enough taxes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what what's it doing for you? I mean, until India and China does something. Exactly. Like what the rest of us do, I mean, and we should all be careful about our environment and thoughtful. Yeah, but we should be charging the rest of the world. We got all the trees and shit that's filtering it out, yet we're exactly. paying for it. I believe exactly. that we're, we're less than 2% of the world population, and Canada pays 20% of the world's carbon tax. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? And it's scheduled yeah. to go up after January. Yeah, we're almost at 50%, if not over 50%. Okay, and so what do they do with that tax? What do they do with that tax? Do they actually use it for climate change, or do they funnel it into something else? I don't know. There's the Panama Papers. It says a lot of some money coming from somewhere is going into personal offshore tax haven, bank account type transaction. I mean, just wiki. I wonder if it is the climate change tax. What do you call it? Carbon tax. Carbon tax, yeah. Yeah. It's the biggest farce to really ever hit Canada. It's just a joke. Our our former prime minister basically has, has gone public and said that, look, you're, uh, the public needs to stand up because this is just a money grab by our government. So it's, it is a, a little bit ridiculous, you know. I would say, I mean, if they could figure out something wonderful and effective to do with it, it'd be great. The fact is, I don't think they've figured that out. And I don't think they're doing that. But they're still taxing the hell out of us. Yeah, well, so. I'd be wondering. I'd be checking into where that goes. Right. Well, I'm sure that uh, they're going to say it goes back to the middle class somehow. But uh, who knows what we're going to see there. I mean, that that would just... I, I'm sure that they're going to say that any day just to try and grab some votes back because the, the liberals aren't going to be doing so well in the, in the future election. If, if the election was held tomorrow, they would, they would sadly lose. So not sadly, I'd be happy they lose. For sure. But what in Canada, do you have, what is the ratio? Is it similar of the middle class to the? Oh yeah. Very similar. We're like your little brother. Yeah. I thought so. So it, it, it's very similar. Like a lot of the stuff that Tucker's talking about, I can relate to in Canada as well. Very much so, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it it's sad because they're, they say that they're, you know, trying to help the middle class, but I'm still yet to see it. Reminds me of that old Lamborghini joke, right? Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's it's like a picture of a... It's like a meme on Facebook. It's a picture of a, a guy with his Lamborghini. And it says, uh, My boss arrived at work in a brand new Lamborghini. And I said, Wow, that's an amazing car. He replied, If you work hard, put all your hours in, and strive for excellence, I'll get another one next year. <laughs> I have not seen that. 
But that's the way it is. I'll put that up on the video. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a great meme. It's and it's basically true. So we're seeing the same thing here in Canada. But yeah, and basically the government split, and it's not necessarily Republican Democrat. No, we're we're talking conservative and liberals in Canada, just a different label. But you know, we're pretty much seeing the same thing. Um, just lots of calling, name calling and finger pointing and just a bigger divide, you know. Yeah, well, and just yesterday, we have all this um, polls that keep telling us that there's going to be a blue wave now and the Democrats are going to take over Congress and maybe even the Senate. The Senate seems less likely. Yet, Trump was in Houston last night. Right. A hundred thousand people showed up for eighteen thousand seats. <laughs> okay. Wow. Now, at the same time, he had just left Nevada at a sold-out crowd. I say sold; they don't really pay. You know, don't really pay for tickets, and people were waiting outside. So, on his heels came Obama. Six thousand people showed up to see Obama. <laughs> Okay. On his heels was Joe Biden, who's supposedly the best person they have for 2020 to run against Trump. 200 people showed up to see him. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. That is really funny. But I think that speaks to the divide, and, and Trump people will not answer pollsters. And because people don't have landlines anymore, pollsters don't really have a good platform to take polls. Because if you do it online, you're getting a certain targeted audience. Yeah, if you do it on Facebook, you're already filtered, number one. Right, and right. It, who knows if it's a bot clicking the like or clicking the vote, you know, there's, yeah, who knows. So historically, midterms go to the party that's not in the White House. Right, and that's what that that's what everybody has been saying. It's going to be a blue wave. The Democrats are going to take over. When I see numbers and I see people waiting outside for 24 hours before an event starts to see Trump, and in Springfield we had at least 25,000 people that didn't get in. I'm thinking, is this going to be a red wave or a blue wave? <laughs> yeah, very interesting. I wonder. If we're going to start defying history here, well, because these people are serious. I mean, they have so much emotion invested, and it can't be because you think Trump's a good guy. I mean, he's you know he's kind of <laughs> not a bad guy, but he's shady. He's shady, but you know it. He's transparent. Uh, sorry, that was funny. <laughs> you gotta wonder though, is Tucker right? Are we walking into a revolution? It seems that the whole world is heading that way, and I could see the same in in Canada. It's a, it, the divide is bigger and bigger and bigger. Trudeau just spoke uh, a co- couple weeks ago. He spoke in a high school gym in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is the beginning of the West out here, and I think. In the picture, there was maybe 20 people there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They were all standing at the front, and I think there was two rows of them in a high school gym. That was it. So that speaks a lot. But, I mean, what we want in the in the West is not what we get. Our, our 
you know, our elections are decided by Ontario and Quebec and the rest of Canada has to live with it. Well, that's a whole other show. (laughs) That's why we have the electoral college. Because yeah. if we just went by popular vote, which is what Hillary wants now because she won the popular vote last time, then you would have New York, California, and probably Chicago, Illinois, you know, some some states that have big liberal cities in them would be deciding all the elections forever. And our forefathers knew that. Right. And they said, we want the farmer in Iowa to have the same voice as the person in D.C. or New York or Hollywood. They didn't know Hollywood was going to be there later, but (laughs) But yet they sort of did know it was going to be there. Yeah, and you just hope and pray that your elected official is not paid off by Soros. Exactly. And (laughs) um, speaking of Soros, um, you know, no one has came out and denied it that he is funding the Honduran movement right. to the Mexican-United um, States border. Um, they haven't really completely proved it, but they certainly haven't um, disproved denied it. it. Right. Yesterday, at Soros' home, they received a package that was an explosive. That's not oh. cool. That's not cool at all, even if he did fund this. Okay? And I believe he did. Right. Now, when we did our show on Friday, yeah. there were 4,000 people in the line supposedly walking from right. Honduras to the United States of America. Right. There's now 7,000. Wow. And this, this is estimated. The people are about, look like to me, about 10 across, and the line is um, over a mile long. People are kind of jumping in line from different places. So it's not going to surprise me if by Friday it's 15,000. You know, to me, this is like, you know, um, an invasion. Yeah, pretty much. On foot? Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. Now, you know, Trump's been running around saying that, you know, these guys have this planned and Democrats have it to where these people are going to hit the border the week of the midterm elections. Well, there's people out there calling him liar, liar, you know, if they can only walk 23 miles a day, considering where they're at, um, they won't get there till mid-December. <laughs> well, that's and too late. Go, well, that makes a little <laughs> sense, okay? They probably won't make it by midterms. And then you have a couple of the news people say, well, but when we come with the cameras, they're actually getting out of trucks. <laughs> oh. oh, well, that changes things. Oh. So what is going on? Wow. Okay. Now there is an overabundance of men in the front of the line. I mean, it's not, that's, that's been brought up, and I, I, I guess because it's usually not. Well, yeah, you want your women and children first, you'd think. You know, but in a way, you know, you got to figure 7000 a pop is how much it costs. And so if you've got a kid, a wife, and a husband, you're talking $21,000. And in Honduras? Holy yeah, smokes. Where that's the average a, income is 2500 a year. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's know, a good chunk um, of change. 
Maybe we shouldn't be surprised so surprised that the males would come. Yeah, no kidding. Um, maybe without the rest of their family. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but, um, it sounds pretty damn. I, a lot of people me. were surprised by that. I'm not. I don't, I'm not totally surprised by the fact that it's heavy on males. Yeah, but there's a lot of children in it, and and you know, there's no way these people could afford this themselves. No way. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, if they're not arriving until December, what are they eating until then? Well, that's what a lot of people brought up. Who you know, they gotta have money to eat. They've gotta have seven thousand just makes the journey. Yeah, they. You they, know, you got to have clothes. I mean, um, they said that some of them were walking in flip flops. Are you kidding me? Wow. You know, I I mean, how could you walk <laughs> twenty three miles in flip flops, let alone twenty three miles for months? Yeah, 23 no miles a day for months. So, I don't know. A lot of things do not make sense. No, they don't. I can agree with you there. Yeah, and we don't always agree about life's a journey and we're all in this together. Thanks for listening. Godspeed, Connor, and Godspeed to all of our friends out there. Godspeed, Grace, and thanks for listening. Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at hostpapa.com. Click the banner on the rightleftchronicles.com for premium unlimited web hosting with the highest rated reviews at the lowest prices. 